Hello and welcome to this special edition of Washington Beer Talk. This week, instead of talking to a brewer, I talked to Casey Neal of Casey Neal and the Norway Rats, a special opportunity given to me by working with Gigantic Bicycle Fest. Because I'm working with the people at the festival, I also get to chat with some of the artists. That includes Casey Neal. But before we get into that, I've got a couple of fun announcements, things that are going on with the Cycling Cicerone and Washington Beer Talk. First up, obviously, is Gigantic Bicycle Fest. It's happening next week, August 24th to 26th. It's a pretty big deal. we got lots of breweries there. We've got Crucible, Flying Bike, and Chainline all there, each bringing a couple of beers to really fill out the beer garden. The Gigantic Bicycle Fest is a three-day-long festival of biking, music, art, and beer. If you want to come ride your bike in one of our rides, there's a 100-mile ride, a 50-mile ride, and a 25-mile ride. Sunday is free admission, and if you want to come stay for the entire weekend, you can use promo code BEER to get half-off tickets. Just go to GiganticBicycleFest.org to find out all the details you need. A few weeks from now up in Everett, Middleton, At Large, Lazy Boy, Scuttlebutt, and Crucible will be hosting Everett Bike with the Brewers for Everett Beer Week. They've asked me to help lead the bike ride, so I'll be planning the route and leading the ride on September 9th. That's coming up in just a couple of weeks, so make sure you come check it out. We'll be up in Everett riding from 4.30pm onward. Up next is Vashon Island Oktoberfest. You may know Vashon Island. It's that little island over there, just a ferry ride away from West Seattle, home of the Strawberry Festival and the Sheepdog Classic. As of this year, it's also home to their very first brewery, Vashon Island Brewery. And with that, their very first proper Oktoberfest. Cliff over at Vashon has tapped me to help out with their Oktoberfest. So I'll be there on September 22nd of this year. That's just a few weeks away. And I would like to extend an invite to all of my listeners to come hang out with me on Vashon and drink some Oktoberfest beer. Of course, all brewed by Vashon Brewery. Last weekend, I was at the Beer Bloggers Conference over in D.C. It was a super fun experience that I would recommend to anybody who drinks a lot of beer and wants to talk about it. If you work at a brewery running their website and doing blogging, content creation for them, then next year's Beer Bloggers Conference is something I would definitely recommend. It's happening in Montana, June 2019, and it's definitely something I would consider looking into. It was a ton of fun. We got to drink a ton of beer and meet and network with a lot of really cool, high-profile beer bloggers. And now enough of that. On to the main attraction. Here comes Casey Neal of Casey Neal and the Norway Rats. Hi, this is Andrew Bieber, the Cycling Cicerone, here from Gigantic Bicycle Fest. Tonight I present Casey Neal of Casey Neal and the Norway Rats, who sat down with us to talk about what it's like to be a musician and give us a little bit of a preview of the music he'll be playing at Gigantic Bicycle Fest, August 24th to 26th. Take a listen. Driving home in the black night, oncoming headlights cut through the 3 a.m. dark. Words on the wavelengths, static signal strengths on a distant highway. Preacher never shuts up, the DJ's fucked up, vision fades into the headlights. So you were Casey Neal of Casey Neal and the Norway Rats, right? Yes, that's the band. 
I kind of started as a, a singer-songwriter. My career has been kind of weird. I've, I've bopped around between... I kind of started very much in like the, the folk punk world. I was lived in Olympia, Washington in the 90s and did stuff there. It was um, a lot of politics in the songs. I got signed to um, a, a folk label that was based on the East Coast and got uh, pretty interested in um, Irish music and started skewing my music that way uh, in that there were a lot of influences of, uh, of Irish music and stuff in the in the songs, originals, and then do some traditional stuff too. And so that was sort of the first the first albums that were out that were um, kind of nationally out there. And, um, and that was mostly in the acoustic music world. And I was in Portland, ended up moving to New York City. Uh, I was working with a, a Scottish fiddle player named Johnny Cunningham, uh, who kind of said to me, hey, these are all rock songs. And let's, you know, let's, let's start a band. And he was a, a really well-known fiddle player. And so uh, we uh, did that in New York and spent three years playing and recording a record. And um, I moved back here to the Northwest and to Portland in 2005. That album came out and the Norway Rats were kind of formed to perform it. And so that was when we sort of started going on the road with, with a full band. So it's been about been about 12 years and four albums in those 12 years um, of working and touring around the country. And uh, I do that solo and I do that with the band and um, and working away at it, basically. Can't drive fast. Yeah, his name was Johnny Cunningham. He actually he actually passed away during the time we were working on the album. It was so, and he was he was sort of a, a just a dear friend of mine. And I moved back to Portland afterwards because I just I sort of didn't know what to do. Um, and I spent a lot of time. Took a few more years for the the album to come out because um, a couple things happened. A, a compilation of my stuff had come out on a label, the Indigo Girls Run, called Damon Records. Um, and so there was a release out there that I was sort of working on, and then I had. But then I was just trying to second guess what he would have done. Um, and it was, you know, it was a heavy thing to do. Um, but that that album, Brooklyn Bridge, came out in I think 2007. Um, and that was really the first one where the Norway Rats were kind of put together here um, to, to play those songs. And then we kind of evolved from there. This really had, had become my home. Let's go back in time a little bit and let's talk about what it was like before you were a musician. Was this always your goal? You know, were you a kid just playing guitar and hoping to hoping to make it big? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I started playing when I was 10. Um, I had a pretty singular vision for it. I didn't think I could sing, um, but over time kind of just worked on it um, and started writing songs in my early teens, which I'm sure are like really embarrassing. But then I also, I, I moved to Olympia in, in the, in 1990, 89, I guess the fall of 89. And so seeing what happened in Olympia at that time, like being around kind of DIY culture and this, you know, this small little town that had this thriving punk scene um and that that was really um you know it was, it, there were all kinds of acts i used to do a lot of shows with a band called tattletale that was um two girls singing songs and they were on kill rock stars and we kind of had like this whole sort of world all these different kinds of music and stuff and obviously you know um certain things exploded out of that but and the notion that you know your little world could have anybody pay attention to it um 
in that way. Uh, and I hadn't really, I wasn't really playing out at that time. I was kind of still working on it, but seeing that happen and being around that kind of DIY culture, um, that has, has gone on to thrive for 20 and 30 years in the Northwest is amazing. Uh, and, and really kind of laid a foundation of like, Oh, you can just do this. You can, you know, I mean, I, I made an album and that was lousily recorded and dubbed it on cassette and kids bought it. And I, you know, then would get calls to like come play at a college in Ohio and they'd pay me enough money to get there. And I'd book three or four clubs around it and come home and like, wow, you know, <laughs> okay. You know, I also had a lot of examples of, of working musicians, just people that worked in, especially being around Irish music and, um, but really, I mean, it's, it's like this in all genres. There are people that just kind of, that are, that do the job. Um, and you know, it's not, it's not so much about making it, making it big or being discovered as it is like doing what's true to yourself and, um, and making a living doing it if you can. And, um, and then if a few people or a lot of people care about it, then that's great. You know, you're talking about how you, if you're lucky, you get to make this your living. Have you succeeded in that? I do a lot of different things. Um, I produce albums for other artists while my own music isn't, um, geared towards Irish music itself anymore. I still have side work as a backup guitar player for traditional music performers. I play, uh, a side, um, electric guitar in the kind of pop sort of power pop collective, uh, the minus five, which, uh, Scott McCoy, who was the young, young fresh fellows and played in REM for years. And he, the minus five started in the mid nineties. And, and it's kind of been this thing where all these, all these musicians from that he's known around the country, uh, have played in it and he lives in Portland. Um, and so I've been playing guitar in that band, uh, in various incarnations, not all of them, but, you know, usually working around the Northwest and stuff for five or six years. Um, I've done some theater work I've done, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you kind of have to do a bunch of different stuff. Um, some other artists have recorded my songs, you know, it's, it's, there are lots of different angles on it. And I, you know, I do a lot of house concerts. I'll perform solo and then kind of take the band out to clubs. And if I was, the funny thing is, is that, um, the way the music landscape has changed, you know, there, there's just so many bands. There's so much talent. There's so many shows. I mean, Portland on a Monday will have a hundred shows, you know? And so I sort of had that thing where I got my toe in, into the music industry and, and had a following by the end of the nineties. And, you know, it was a door that was sort of closing in a lot of ways, although, you know, there are ways, there are plenty of ways to kick it open, but a lot of, a lot of that, I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> No, no, that, make, that makes perfect sense. Would you say that's an, is that an encouraging thing? Would you encourage a young artist to follow in your footsteps? Or would you say, no, no, I got into the 90s when it was possible and you should stay out? No, I mean, I would, I would never discourage anyone from, from doing the thing they love. I definitely would say, um, you know, don't expect, don't expect that, you know, a, you know, Columbia Records will descend and, and you will, um, you know, make some amazing living the rest of your life. So developing various skills. I mean, almost every musician I know, um, has all kinds of side hustles like this are, are, you know, recording engineers or sound people at venues or also book venues or, you know, uh, do graphic design for posters and, and bands and things. And, you know, there's, there, are, there are all these different ways, um, that people do that. And that's, that's kind of what it is. It's just diversifying what your abilities are and understanding that just the band you love or the songs you write are, are you know, if you, if you're amazingly lucky, that can 
carry you out there, but, um, and be enough, but, uh, probably not. So, um, but there's plenty of other things you can do in music, kind of keep that alive. You know, I think it's really healthy for musicians to play in other people's bands as well as, um, do their own thing, um, kind of see both sides of what it's like to, to run a band and make it work or also the side of like, you know, okay, I'm, I joined this singer songwriters band and I'm on the road and, you know, that's a hard thing to do to help someone else's dreams happen. And, you know, but there, it's all very, it's all really healthy to do. The, the, the more you can do like that, the, the healthier it's going to be. I got to apologize slash justify that line of questioning there. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I mostly interview brewers and these people are, are similar to musicians in a way where like they, a lot of times have this day job that they're done with. They think it's not definitely wasn't their calling. Um, and they quit their job, they quit doing whatever it was, and now they they put they go all in on opening a brewery, which usually is a small entrepreneurial endeavor. It's always a craft brewery that's super small, that's you know doesn't brew that much beer, really just sells it to people who are around. And um, but everyone talks about it with like like it's a like it's always hard, and it's always like a very personal goal and struggle, and it's never anything that's about like making a ton of money and selling out to Budweiser in the end, right? And so, like to that end, I'm I'm drawing a few more parallels between beer and music, and I'm sorry, I'm going to keep on doing this. In music, a, a trope that I've heard a lot is like an indie band gets big and then they sell out, and that's the same thing that happens to breweries. They get big and then Budweiser buys them. Um, what's it like to like in that indie scene where there's maybe musicians around you doing that kind of stuff or like living that kind of life, working that trajectory? What do you think about that? All of the, all of the traditional monetary streams that existed in music. I mean, not, not all of them, but they, you know, it's a well-known fact that it's an industry that is nosedived in all kinds of ways. And so I don't really, I don't really hold it against people. Um, you know, if the, if they can find a way to again make a living doing it and uh you know i mean that's something that that i it's an ethos i grew up with is that you don't do that in the 90s but in the 90s there was a lot more um you know i would go on the road and play small shows and you know i i could sell you know hundreds and hundreds of cds on a two-week run and now i can play to you know 300 people in a club and you know maybe a, a handful of people want the actual thing or, you know, or want, want the beautiful mm-hmm. thing, want to buy vinyl or something. Um, but you know, most people are going to go home and stream it or download it or whatever. And, and you just sort of end up like, okay, well, so I, so I don't really hold it against people. And, um, you know, again, it's, that's, that's another angle on the craft. I mean, there are people I know who've that's, it looked like that sort of thing was going to happen and they ended up with a publishing deal and they ended up co-writing songs that other artists recorded. I mean, you know, there's all these different ways it can happen. Um, I am amazed to, to go back to the brewery thing. I am amazed specifically here in the Northwest, how, you know, you think like there are all those craft, all the craft breweries that came up in the nineties, like full sale and red hook and all that stuff. And then, you know, there was, there just been wave after wave of them and it's still happening. And it just, it blows my mind. It's like, you know, one, you know, how does, how does it, how is there not just a complete glut on this? But, um, and me, and maybe there is, I don't know what the, um, what the economics of that business are, but it's pretty amazing to me that that still happens. And there's still breweries that are like, like you say, a small place that just started up and then they get hyped and, and then, you know, they end up in, in the store and, you know, that it can keep doing that is, uh, is a great thing. 
That's the kind of thing that's not going to keep happening that much longer. Like you said, I think I'm talking about that forever, but we should be talking about you. So can you describe for me and for somebody who hasn't seen you before, who's going to see you for the first time at Gigantic Bicycle Fest, what are they going to see when y'all get on the stage? What do you guys look like? Um, well, it's a five-piece band. We've got, uh, I'm singing in front in the band, um, sort of a traditional rock and roll setup, drums, bass, a couple guitars and keyboard. Um, Jenny Conley is a keyboard player. She plays in the Decemberists as well as lots of other Portland bands. We've been working together since the mid-2000s and she's amazing. And so she and she plays some accordion too. So there's uh, it's a little of that mixed in. It's it's going to be kind of... You're going to have accordion on the, on the stage? We'll have accordion on the stage, yeah. All right on. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of a combination of like some some dreamy Americana, some full bore rock and stuff, some things that gets kind of punky, um, but really just kind of focused on on trying to move people with music and and words. And obviously, the, there's a there's been kind of a a lot of my songs have sort of an environmental theme to them. That's you know certainly in line with um, with a bike festival. And I've done done a couple of things like that. I did a thing for Cycle Oregon a few years ago where we played out in a field for people that run a long cycle trip um, around uh, Eastern Oregon. Um, and that was really fun. And I'm just I'm looking forward to, to playing there. Do you do you cycle yourself? Uh, I'm a city biker, you know, just kind of a, kind of around the neighborhood. But yeah. So to draw yet another parallel between your music and, and beer is a lot of times you've got Music and beer both try both try to fit into categories and at the same time try to defy them. Right, right? you've got a dozen different genres of music, or you've got tons and tons and tons of genres of music. You've got a hundred different categories of beer, and every brewer and every musician you met meet wants to take that framework and turn it on its head. Would you say your music is like is category defining or defying? I mean, I'm not sure. Um... I'm not sure I have perspective on it. I, the one thing I will say is that, you know, I started out um, playing folk punk and a lot of the a lot of my crowd was like, you know, kind of like road activists and stuff. And and then I got really interested in Irish music and played Irish music and kept some of what I had done along the way before then into this thing. But, um, you know, there were people that didn't make that transition. You know, we started to play like bluegrass festivals and Celtic music festivals around the country. And I had a small acoustic combo doing that with a lot of, with kind of bluegrass inspired vocal harmonies. And then, you know, traditional Irish mandolin flute and guitar kind of bubbling behind it. Um, and then when I started playing in a rock band or setting the songs in terms of a rock band, there were a lot of people that were into the, the traditional music that said, you know, th this is not what they, they, they like acoustic music. They like Irish music. They weren't in, they weren't as into this, you know? Um, and, uh, and then for years, um, you know, I was trying to, you know, we've been set kind of in a lot of ways, we're a roots rock band and, you know, which is sort of has this Americana label on it. Now I'm pretty conscious of not, you know, not doing sort of cliche things within that. What do you mean by that? Every genre has its tropes, you know, and it's, so it's like, I try and stay away from them and defy them. And, you know, I've written a few songs over the years that one song called Radio Montana and one song called Stonewall. And there are a few others that I feel like are, are really successful in the genre. But I also kind of think like, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to, I like to push myself out from, from those places and make myself uncomfortable. And, and then, 
you know, see what happens. And so we're kind of doing that again. I mean, our, our latest record, uh, Subterrene, came out in March. We used a lot of like electronic elements and synthesizers on it and things more as, as sort of as textural stuff. But there's some drum machines and some other things. And it definitely isn't, um, it's not songs about, you know, uh, the Lonesome Whiskey Blues or whatever. You know, it's sort of like, uh, and the, the lyrics are really dystopian. Um, they're kind of inspired by they were inspired by X-Ray Specs, the punk band from England who put out one amazing record and sort of wrote these really kind of dealing with like world of commercial insanity. And the lead singer, Polly Styrian, she was just amazing. And I just sort of took that and some sci-fi writers and some other um, writers I knew and kind of sort of steeped myself in that to kind of inspire this record. So, so anyway, we're, 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 you know, I'm constantly trying to move forward. So I don't know if we're genre defying. I think, I think you kind of think you're a lot of times artists think like, oh, I'm like, I've moved this far away from this, from where I was. And it seems radical to you, but, um, as long as I'm moving, I'm happy. You know, I want to, I want to push it forward. And I, th- I think we found some new territory for us, which is pretty cool. And we're, we're still working on how to play it. And, um, but I think the the thing that's been the thread through this whole thing is my songs and they're people that have stuck with me through all these different transitions. And, you know, certainly I could have, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to know, but I feel like, you know, I could have had, could have had more success if I had been like, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing and stick to it and drive it home. And, and there's, cause, cause music is about, you know, the, the success in it in a lot of ways is just about communities and, you know, you, from, from the outside, you call it a scene, but really it's just a community of people. And I, kind of travel between a lot of different music communities, either just the local world here in the Northwest and in Portland or, um, nationally and internationally. You know, I, I just, I like, uh, I like that evolution, I guess is, is, uh, and I, and I still haven't, you know, every, every time I'm trying to reach for the thing that's going to be like, okay, this is, this is finally it. I'm getting where I've always wanted to be in terms of, you know, what I'm writing and the sound. And then the minute you do that, it's like, I'm really proud of that. It's still not there, you know, like um and that's that's really healthy, I think. Is there still a trace of that old Irish folk in your music that people could maybe pick out and hear? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um I mean, a couple things. I mean, I've had well I I've played a show and like a bill at a club and you know, have done like our most kind of punked out stuff, like a bunch of power rock and stuff and afterwards people are like I really like that Irish thing you're doing and I'm like, I don't I don't know. How did you get that? I guess it's just kind of, like I said, it's sort of all the different things that I've steeped myself in have, have worked their way in there. Um, and, and Jenny Conley and I actually played, um, we had an, another band for many years, for 10 years called KMRIA that was a Pogues cover band. Um, and it was some, uh, some other folks from the December is Chris Funk and, and Scott McCoy, who we play with in the minus five. And all of us were kind of, um, we, we love the Pogues and we loved that exact thing, that combination of like traditional folk music and contemporary writing and punk freak out and so we we did 10 years of shows and um we would play every like around st patrick's day and christmas every year and so that 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 also was a was a big influence like where where these lines of of folk music and you know stuff that's way to the left of mainstream rock they collide a lot and you know certainly there's plenty of examples in the in the americana world um and you know bands like uncle tupelo that exploded out of that exact thing also um and and i've always i've always loved it when that when when that's what's going on uh and that's that's definitely a strong part of what we do 
Well, we've been talking for a good amount of time. Would you say that there is a, a song that you're maybe most excited to play or most excited for people to hear at Gigantic Bike Fest? Uh, there's a song in the new album called In the Swim. Uh, and it's uh, it's a song actually uh, Scott McCoy um, we we kind of we had we had the song written and he came in to do some backup vocals and wrote these counter vocals to it um, and Peter Buck played some guitar on it which is amazing um, and it was like a it's kind of um, this like dreamy power pop song um, and it's about um, it's about it's in a way if we since we were talking about johnny it's about how like you know you lose these people it could be a mentor like that it could be a parent um and there's this part of you that kind of um the the the, the way they inspired you or affected your life you kind of carry that forward and it as much as it as you grieve for it it makes you stronger and um becomes part of your identity and self and spirit and that's kind of, that's kind of what the song's about it's called in the swim did a video for it that my friend Rachel Blumberg uh, did animation of these of sort of jellyfish in love it, it it's it's also kind of a straight ahead love song in a lot of ways too um, but uh, we're, we're having a really good time playing that one right now thank you so much thank you for taking the time to talk and sharing your story I appreciate it Andrew I really appreciate it I look forward to seeing you at the festival thank you for listening 
That interview was originally recorded and produced for Gigantic Bicycle Fest, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, August 22nd to 24th. I've been the Cycling Cicerone, and this is Washington Beer Talk. Thanks for listening. If you have a beer event coming up and think you need a little bit of help, then I'm your guy. Give me a call.